Welcome in. You are listening to the Blue Notes Podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I'm your host, Benjamin Taylor. Draft day, which begins the most eventful weekend of the offseason, is quickly approaching. As we channel our excitement, most Colts fans feel a wave of confidence knowing that the team's picks are in good hands. The Colts general manager, Chris Ballard, has just been named NFL's top drafting GM by NFL Network. Last year, Ben Standick of The Athletic wrote that Ballard was voted by agents as the league's most trusted executive and best talent evaluator. Ballard has a good reputation. However, there are others within the Colts realm who think that Ballard hasn't proven much and that former GM Ryan Grigson hit on more picks. Personally, I love what Ballard has built and still is building, but I wanted to dig a little deeper to try to understand the Grigson apologist. This week, in light of draft season, we're going to turn back the clock and analyze the Ryan Grigson draft picks. We'll go through them one by one, year by year. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to do that. We are going to discuss the good ones, the bad ones, and see how the Grigson era measures up against fair criticism. Stay with me, Colts fans. Ryan Grigson served as the Colts GM from 2012 to 2016. Before being hired by the Colts, Grigson was the director of player personnel for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a relatively speedy rise for Grigson since he worked his first days as a pro scout in 1998 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League. After a couple of promotions, his steady progression led him to Indianapolis. Jim Irsay hired the 39-year-old after the team had lost Peyton Manning for the entire 2011 season and dropped a 2-14. Irsay then ran everyone out the door, including Jim Caldwell, who had coached the team to a Super Bowl in 2009, as well as Hall of Famer Bill Polian and his son Chris, who was the current GM. Although he was handed the number one overall pick with his new job in 2012, Ryan Grigson's run as the Colts GM was a tumultuous one. The relationship between Grigson and new head coach Chuck Pagano soon soured. Reportedly, the organization sought counseling for the GM and coach, but to no avail. Grigson was fired after the 2016 season, and his Colts drafts have been the topic of rich criticism ever since. In his five drafts, the former Colts GM selected 38 total players. 22 on the offense and 16 on the defense. Ironically, his most drafted position was offensive lineman. He selected 10 O-linemen and only one cornerback, which was his least selected position out of the 38 picks. Grixon drafted 10 players in 2012, but only five in 2014. Unlike current GM, Chris Ballard, Grixon's draft picks were like eye-closed home run swings. He hit some deep balls, but there were many more back-twisting whiffs at the plate. Out of his 38 total players drafted, each one averaged about two and a half years with the team. Only 10 finished their rookie contracts. From his first 22 picks, only two are still playing in the NFL, wide receivers T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief. The first time GM hit some dry spells. In a stretch of 12 consecutive picks between 2012 and 2013, five players never logged a snap for the Colts. Only two of the 12 played more than three seasons, and none of them is currently rostered in the NFL. 
During his tenure, Grigson had nearly 40 attempts, but to this point has not had a draft pick become an All-Pro. However, three of his 38 became Pro Bowlers. Eight different players logged only one snap or fewer for the Colts on offense or defense. Given the franchise's dissolve during Grigson's tenure, defending the former GM is an intriguing stance. The closer you look, the more bewildered you may become. The position group to receive the most criticism from the Grigson era has been the offensive line, and understandably so. Some blame Grigson's inattention to the line for Luck's early retirement, although I wouldn't go that far. Certainly, Andrew played his own role in that decision. Injuries mounted over the fast and short years, and while his line failed to protect him, Luck's playing style did him no favors. That's a deeper argument too, though, because he was not coached well. I often wondered if Luck's reckless play was less of a rogue improvisation and instead the plan all along. As if the coaches asserted, Andrew, go do something special. So often he responded with magical play, bailing out the team and hauling the roster to the playoffs on his back for three straight seasons. There simply was not enough talent around the quarterback which forced him to play more recklessly. A counter-argument might posit that the lack of talent and poor coaching would point back to Grigson, since the general manager is head of personnel. But the arrow must split to Jim Ursay as well, who clung to Coach Pagano far too long. No matter where the blame falls, Andrew Luck felt the brunt of the collective bad decisions. And the beating took its toll. The franchise quarterback retired before his 30th birthday. I'm not sure how to reconcile Grigson's 10 offensive line selections with the belief that he didn't give the position group enough attention. As I previously stated, it was his most drafted position. The picks refute the notion that he didn't care. Perhaps he just didn't care soon enough. Five of those 10 picks came in 2015 or later, three years after Luck was drafted. Some of the early dart throws missed the board entirely. Those 10 linemen drafted have totaled 299 starts in the NFL. Take out Pro Bowler Ryan Kelly and that number plummets. Unfortunately, some of the decent ones have played better elsewhere. Denzel Good started a career-high 14 games last season for the Vegas Raiders, and Austin Blythe, who played only one season with the Colts before being waived in 2017, has now accumulated over 3,500 snaps in the league. Ryan Grigson addressed the position like a prideful husband buying flowers two weeks after a fight with the wife, or the desperate one seeking couples counseling after his wife cleaned out the bank account and left with the golden retriever. I won't say his heart wasn't in it, but his timing wasn't magnificent. Prior to his arrival, the team lost its treasure, Peyton Manning, due to a neck injury. Grigson was then bestowed with the best quarterback prospect since John Elway in 1983. Following Manning with luck was an unthinkable blessing to the Colts and a cruel curse to every other NFL franchise. One would think that Grigson's next order of business would be to protect his investment with airtight insurance, the kind that secures the limbs and organs of a skydiver. And yet, Grigson did not select a lineman with the top two pick until 2014. Meanwhile, Andrew Luck was sacked a hundred times in his first three seasons. 
In 2012, Luck's rookie season, Pro Football Focus ranked the Colts' offensive line unit 31st in the league. That group improved slightly over the next three seasons, but never moved higher than 15 during the Grigson era. The O-line position group was the one area where Grigson practiced a quantity over quality approach, and sometimes that method can yield lottery tickets, but for Grigson, those picks were mostly scratch-offs wasted. Although the Grigson picks were mostly marred with blunders, he sprinkled in some good ones. The absolute best draft pick would have to be one of three players, Andrew Luck, Ryan Kelly, or T.Y. Hilton. After that, it's a steep drop-off to Jack Muhord and Dante Moncrief. The obvious answer is Andrew Luck. If Luck had not retired early and broken all of our hearts, I'd feel better about ranking him at the top. But for a host of reasons, the Luck pick was just too easy. He was the only reason Ursay moved on from Hall of Famer Peyton Manning. Luck was built like a tight end but ran faster. He had laser point accuracy and a deep innate feel for the game. He was a gentleman and a scholar, literally. The former architect major from Stanford would thank and congratulate his opponents after they pounded him to the turf. Andrew was the only right pick at number one, so I can't give Grigson too much credit for that one. The name on the draft card was likely inked before Grigson even interviewed for the job. In hindsight, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe Luck wasn't even the right pick. Where would this franchise be now if Grigson traded out of the first pick, accumulated massive draft capital, kept Manning and drafted Russell Wilson, or even Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins? It would have been a historically daft move, but oh, how the days and years bring wisdom. I bite my tongue for saying that, though. For better or worse, I am an Andrew Luck fan. He was the easy pick. Ryan Kelly was the lineman Grigson finally got right. I used to laugh at this pick. The Colts line desperately needed help. So Ryan Grigson looks at the best team in college football and asks, who's your best lineman? What's his name? Oh, okay, we'll take him. <laughs> I'm not sure what the process was like, but the pick brought Ryan Kelly to Indy, and now he is one of the best centers in the NFL. Kelly has recently signed his second contract with the Colts and has started 66 games over his five-year career. He's a competitor and a leader. Although he has never snapped to the same quarterback in consecutive seasons, Kelly's play has remained consistent. All-pro left guard Quentin Nelson might be the more talented player and the one who brings the energy to this group, but Kelly is no slouch. He's the anchor to the O-line, the clicking metronome to the quintet, and was one of Grigson's finest picks for the Colts. If the Kelly pick was the safe bet, choosing T.Y. Hilton with the 92nd pick in the 2012 draft was the shot in the dark. I've heard a recent rumor that said Hilton was more of a Bruce Arians pick, and maybe that's true, but Grigson had final say and he deserves credit. Even now, all these years later, T.Y. Hilton doesn't look the part of a number one wideout and maybe that's why he's one of the most underrated receivers in the game. His smaller frame and smiling face paint a different kind of assassin. He's not what you'd expect, yet he's been the one calming presence on this team, bridging gap after gap since 2012. The Colts have leaned on Hilton more than any other player in the course of his career. 
Even when he hasn't been at his best, Hilton's presence on the field has made the difference. As I mentioned in a previous episode, the Colts are a staggering 1-10 without Hilton in the lineup since he joined the team. And when his contract ended, as many of you know, Colts fans brought a wave of adoration, starting the hashtag BringTYHome, mounting the pressure until Hilton put ink to paper, solidifying his return. The social media craze probably had little to do with the contractual agreement, but it showed how greatly T.Y.'s loved and respected in Indy. The wideout later commented that he was moved by the tweets and videos and the overall outpouring of emotions from the fans. If I had to pick one, I'd say T.Y. Hilton, selected in the third round of the 2012 draft, was Ryan Grigson's greatest pick. Andrew Luck, Ryan Kelly, and T.Y. Hilton were franchise-changing players. Excellent picks by Grigson, but he'll most likely be remembered for his blunders. Fans readily recall the destruction that befell in Grigson's wake, and all eager fingers point to one draft pick that cracked the Indianapolis Foundation. In 2013, Bjorn Warner was selected with the 24th overall pick. Warner was selected just one slot before his college teammate and current Colt, Xavier Rhodes, and three picks before all-pro wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Although there were some stars sprinkled in, the 2013 draft was an unremarkable one. The first quarterback wasn't taken until the 16th pick, when the Bills selected E.J. Manuel. Manuel only played 30 games before calling it quits in 2018. The next two quarterbacks selected were Geno Smith in the second round and Mike Glennon in the third. Astoundingly, the 2013 draft provided no lasting starter at the position. Contrast that with next week's draft in which the top four picks could be quarterbacks. The 2013 draft was a rough one for Grigson. Out of the seven players drafted, Hugh Thornton recorded the most snaps for the Colts at just over 2,200. That was fewer than both Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen from the previous draft. Werner's three-year career was shorter than any other player drafted in that first round, aside from the Jets' D. Milliner. Out of the top 57 picks of that draft, only three players logged fewer games than Werner. Those are stats you just can't hide from, but Werner wasn't really a shocking pick by the Colts' GM, not as much as I had originally thought. Grigson and his first-round gaffe are easy targets for criticism, but Werner was expected to be a high pick. He was the 2012 ACC Defensive Player of the Year and a unanimous All-American. One writer for CBS believed Werner might slip into the top 15 picks, while another writer for Sports Illustrated thought Werner could go in the top three. Grigson wasn't alone in his belief, and he had good reason to target the Florida State standout. The Colts had decided to move on from all-pro defensive end Dwight Freeney, who was declining in play and sack numbers. After being dismissed by the Colts, Freeney had some respectable seasons, but his best days were behind him. And with that, the Colts were tasked with replacing Freeney, who at the time was the franchise leader in career sacks and sacks in a season. The former GM pinned a name on the draft card that Colts fans will never forget a stroke that marked the beginning of the end for Grigson. Two years later, the Colts were faced with a similar situation. 
Much like Freeney, Reggie Wayne had reached the end of his days in Indy. Wayne's contract expired and the once great wide receiver was informed by the Colts that he would not be resigned. Again, Grigson turned to the draft to replace the future Colts Hall of Famer. In a strange move, or perhaps coincidence, Grigson went to Wayne's alma mater to replace the former Colts receiver. And with the 29th pick in the 2015 draft, the Colts selected wide receiver Philip Dorsett from the University of Miami. Why Grigson thought he had to race to replace Reggie remains a mystery because he already had T.Y. Hilton, Dante Moncrief, and newly signed Andre Johnson on the roster. Although this pick was an inexplicable head-scratcher, it didn't seem like a reach at the time. Most mock drafts had Dorsett pegged as a mid-first-round pick. He ran a lightning-fast 40 time, faster than Reggie Wayne, and was an altogether different type of receiver than Reggie. However, Dorsett had a very similar frame and skill set to T.Y. Hilton. Was Grigson merely trying to double down on what seemed to work with his current QB? Or, after losing to the Patriots in the 2014 AFC title game, was he just trying to add one more skill player to boost the offense past Tom Brady's juggernaut? I really can't say, but the Dorsett whiff was a costly one. Werner and Dorsett sandwiched the 2014 draft in which the Colts had no first-round pick because Grixon had traded it for Trent Richardson in 2013. So, from 2013 to 2015, the Colts got a plug of nickels from its first-round picks. That kind of stretch will sink a franchise quick. Along with Warner and Dorsett, you could also add 2015 third-rounder Dijon Smith. Normally, you would want to find a starter with that third-round pick, but Smith only managed to log 19 defensive snaps in the NFL. He hung around for three seasons playing mostly special teams before finally being cut by the Titans. Which was Grigson's worst draft pick? It's hard to say, but I would probably lean Dorsett's way. Adding Dorsett created a crowded wideout room while other needs were dismissed. This was a turning point for the Colts and for Grigson's tenure. After three straight playoff runs, the team won only eight games in 2015 and matched that win total the following season, which would be Grigson's last. The Grigson era will be a memorable one for the Colts. His picks brought Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, and Ryan Kelly. Luck and T.Y. seemed to be on the edge of another Super Bowl for the Colts in 2014 but they couldn't fit the pieces back together. Grigson sparred and feuded with the fiery head coach and cancer survivor Chuck Pagano, but there was a lot of good in those years. Those were heartfelt moments that brought a tragic ending for nearly everyone involved. In the end, Grigson finished with a 49-31 and record. It's a respectable number, but the team was unraveling. Pagano was over his head, Luck was battered, and worse, the team had no real identity or direction. After firing Ryan Grigson, Jim Ursay elected to hold on to Pagano for one more year. I remember celebrating the decision with the fading belief that he just needed one more chance with a healthy quarterback. But as it turned out, Pagano never coached Andrew Luck again, who sat out the entire next season with an injury, and it was another lost year for the Colts in 2017, one that delayed the rebuild by a painful season. Grigson will keep his apologist, and after a closer look, I can admit that he had some great picks, and even his bad ones made some sideways sense. 
Nevertheless, I remain a Chris Ballard fan. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benjamin Taylor. Thanks for listening.